the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 259 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. And this is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. Recording this right as Wayans are going. It was off to a pressing start, so I, I said, let me let me stop and check this out. Because it was a nice run, starting with the champion who weighed in on weight. All the title fights are on weight. In fact, within like 20 minutes, it's like everybody but two, I believe, all weighed in. And I don't think anybody missed weight. Everybody looked pretty good, although... One one guy may have looked like he was doing that thing I look for at the weigh-ins where if the fighter looks like they're trying to pass a DUI test, that generally means it was a hard cut. And, um, you know, there's a guy out there looking like he was trying to keep it straight, you know, for the man. <laughs> we'll get to that. It's going to be, of course, a quick recap of UFC Vegas 20. Um, and then we're going to jump right to an expedited edition, breaking down from top to bottom. Of course, check the timestamps, whether it's on YouTube, like and subscribe the audio version of this video. Thank you very much. Support me there, please. Daniel, Tom, and May could use the help. Or if you're listening on any of the podcast feeds, especially that old Apple podcast, those Apple reviews uh, uh, are always very helpful. But yes, the show notes there uh, is what I was trying to say is where you can find the timestamps where we start the breakdown if you want to jump ahead or... If you want to listen to even less of me, which I don't blame you, you can always skip to the very end as I recap my picks and plays all uh, at the very end of the episode for you. So, uh, without further, let's uh, let's get to it, shall we? Uh, okay. <laughs> UFC Vegas 20, we did 5-3-1 uh, with an asterisk on the 1 overall. We'll get to that. We went 1-0-1 in straight plays with... That was attached to the asterisk. Uh, no parlay pieces. I haven't been comp- too confident on that. There's a lot to choose from, by the way, but spoiler alert. Um, I didn't commit to anything hard, but we'll give you all my takes on all those matchups upcoming. And 0-1 for the prop shot um, that I did take. I, I don't even know what that was. What was it? I'm sure it was um, some type of total I probably biffed on. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, just really quick. So let's go to USC Vegas 20, headlined by uh, Cyril Gunn and... Jarazinho, Rosenstrach, ah, Rosenstrach, Michael, you see Rosenstrach, I just saw, but he did not throw. Um, gone, gone where, right? So it was a little bit of a, uh, criticize both men, by the way, but people criticizing gone way too hard. Um, like I said, even though I think I picked officially inside the distance, like I wanted to pick decision, and in my breakdown, to be fair, did say don't be surprised if this goes long, which I believe I also said on here. Um, really like what Gon was doing with that lead Dutch hand trap, um, and uh, really shutting down Rosenstruck's really one main weapon, which is that check hook. Uh, I think I noted that on the Twitter spaces with Aaron Bronstetter. Shouts for having me. Uh, my man Brad Taschuk was on there from the MMA analysis. Shout to him. That was fun. I may or may not have, uh, you know, been working down my way to a bottle, the bottom of a bottle of wine, and may or may not have had an adult candy or two. So I wasn't really too uh, in technical mode. <laughs> 
so yeah, but uh, the, also for Dagestani Stipe, a gimmick that I, I will not let go apparently of, um, Ankalaev defeated Nikita Krylov by unanimous decision. Uh, that's one I was wrong on. I thought uh, th- that's what it was. I took a shot on this under on the podcast. I don't. Th- I, I don't know if I did. I didn't. I, I didn't write it down. But either way, you guys know that I come full disclosure to y'all. I ended up pulling the trigger on it, and it was wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, early wrestling is usually a bad bet for the under. Your under is not going to hit. That's what I saw, and that's what happened. Uh, Montella de Rosa versus Myra Bueno. So, Shitara. Eye of Thundera. Give me sight beyond sight. And I could not see that draw coming. Um, no, I could, uh, because uh, that's what I guess it was going to be after the point deduction. I'm actually not mad at the point deduction, and I bet Buena Silva. It's just I wish refs were more consistent. You know, kind of like the endless, um, you know, Herb Dean uh, going late on stoppages and, you know, stopping and explaining what John Jones, what I poke is rather than take a point. And, and we got to watch that theater go on. John go, what? We want me to put my fingers up or, or what? Like this? Like, like he doesn't already know. Um, but you know, so the ref, uh, technically warns the fighters in the back folks. So they don't have to give any warnings from what we see. The warning was already given for one. Um, and for two, you know, when it affects a position like it did, um, it should be, but you could argue that that's hurt the ref not positioning, uh, De La Rosa back on top, um, arguably hurt her more cause she could have won the round, uh, you know, that way. Whereas Buena Silva, kind of like I was saying, she was going to have the more damaging moments. Um, her wrestling was going to be tested, and you know it's still her weakness. But if you look at what she was doing and like look at her past fights, there are improvements there, especially in the clinch. Um, so I'm, I'm I still don't feel like it was a bad bet on the Chucky Olive's protege there. Um, I would have taken her at that price any time, and we saw who won the fight. So you know we didn't cash, but I mean hopefully you know. Can't get that one against me too much. Uh, hopefully, y'all made out okay. Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz. I don't know why I always say Munoz. Munoz. In like an annoying Bisping accent, but I've been doing it since 2015 before Bisping was calling fights. And so have it. We had like Bisping calling Pedro Munoz fights. Like I had this Pedro Munoz. Uh, Bisping. <laughs> I know it's terrible Bisping. And God forbid, uh, I'm not going to put that onto the, an English accent, but yeah, I just destroyed both. Apologies. Defeated a Jimmy Rivera. Uh, yeah, missed decision. Um, and calf kicks, man. Uh, Jimmy Rivera's landing hard shots. It was a good fight, obviously, outside of the calf kicks, but this was a rematch where, obviously, even I have to acknowledge them. <laughs> um, so yeah, grats if you took that Munoz um, dog money there. Um, but Rivera... Came through. Alex Caceres also came through against Kevin Krumi and Emma's decision. I thought we were going to get that submission, man. Ah, so close to, to cashing that prop. Maybe that was a prop I t- officially took. Either way, I don't know. I ate on those two props, though. Oh, that sucked. But my biggest underdog, which I didn't beat the line. I got it like plus 165, and it ended up going to over 2-1 to one dog, Tiago Moises. 30-27 uh, on my cards. 129-28. Uh, not sure what Hernandez and all respect, much respect to Mark Montoya, Factory X, but not sure what they saw there. Um, but uh, if you listen to this podcast, that played out pretty, pretty well, did it not? Did it not, dude? So hopefully y'all cashed with me on that. That was definitely a saving grace. Um, I ended up putting Sabina Matzo in something small, and I told Aaron Proud in his preview show when he said that Sabina Matzo was a so a play he was confident on, I you know I, I fired from the hip and I'll stick to it. I say so yeah, it's a definitely parlay piece. Uh, but of course, the one time old Dan Tom fades the veteran. We'll see if that happens this week. We'll get to that. Uh, sure enough, uh, 
you know, karma kicks in, even though I'm the guy usually supporting these vets. But Alexis Davis, hey, man, you got to give credit to her. She showed up uh, with that two-year layoff, not looking the greatest, and uh, got the fight she needed to fight. Ronnie Lawrence, whoa, defeated Vince Cachero. Um, yeah, again, that's why I was on the void list. Did not tape study that fight. Forgot all about these guys. And I'm realizing that I think there was two contender series, and we'll get to that in this next card that I missed. So, like, a lot of these, in my defense, that even though I usually wouldn't remember them anyways because the UFC puts on way too many fights, so even when I do do my reports, it's one ear and out the other. Um, some of these guys I don't even have reports on, so, as I'm discovering. Uh, D- Dustin Jacoby I did. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, I, I, I called for the uh, leg kicks and the, for the, how that dynamic of the fight to go. Again, man, it's, it sucks because, you know, I haven't, you know... Uh, a lot of people have been doing great on these cards, and a lot of people that I follow, which, you know, I, I, I want to mainly do more well for you guys than anything, to be honest. But um, it, it's crazy. It's That's how volatile the sport is, though, because my analysis isn't too crazy off, regardless of these results. So it's just it's, it's just trying to get these results, right? That, that's what the game we're all playing. Angela Hill versus Ashley Yoder, of course, was postponed. All right. How did we do on time? Uh, 9 minutes, 17 seconds, not too bad. Just want to get a quick shout in to uh, my man Kyler and Josh for the uh, BYBP podcast there, TFS, the fight site, of course, for having me on their panel. Go check that out. Go support their work. Um, They're one of the Patreons I support for good reason, uh, and and you guys should support uh, them too because it's really uh, cool content, and they're not one of the bigger outlets and stuff, so they really run just off Patreon, so that's why I wanted to give them a shout. And, of course, you can get all my in-depths at MMAJunkie.com, as per usual. we got three coming at you this week. So as we jump over to UFC 259, which is headlined by three title fights, as I just said. We're going to go through those from top to bottom. But, yeah, if I miss any details and stats on those top three, you know you can find them over at MMAJunkie.com. Weigh-ins are still going on. I don't know if those last two people weighed in. I don't like checking for the dead air, but I'll try to do that sometime. Before we get out of here, so you guys aren't too um, left out in the cold. All right, ahead of the card is, do we call it a super fight because it's two titles? I don't know, but um, Israel uh, Adesanya minus 235, and Jan uh, Blakovic uh, plus 195. Um, yeah, I took Israel Adesanya here, and I just I always worry about underrating Blakovic, um, even though I don't underrate him i haven't always picked him but uh, i have cashed some nice dog odds because he's always been the dog so uh, it's not that i've you know outright like slept on the guy or anything however um however um you know he's definitely more lively and not just the polish power um the wrestling too we haven't seen him use it that much because he's kind of faced uh, more potent grappling threats like you know rockholds and Suzas of the world but a part of this a renaissance for Jan was uh, going back to his older camp in Warsaw. And there he had a lot of professional boxers and higher-level wrestlers to work with. And that's kind of where his game, because he already had the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and the Muay Thai experience, right? So he, he really shored up his holes in that sense, um, just using the jab coming forward, stringing together offense, checking with it, hooking off of it, um, using the hooks to get his hook return counters that he keeps on a hair trigger that are really nice. You know, we saw him drop a lot of guys from, like, Cannoneer to, like, Manawa uh, with those. Um, The Blocko Blitz, as you've seen on Twitter, I'm sure, where he drags his dead leg and he just comes at you. You know, that's scary. Um, 
But no, it's more the wrestling, I think, is livelier here in the small cage. Uh, that, of course, is, seems to be the answer for Adesanya. And even though Jan warns people about sleeping on his power, I'm, I'm sure he's got to be smart enough to know that that's not the smartest move, is to try to tag Adesanya with power. Those guys usually don't do too well. Adesanya enjoys just personally and professionally feasting on that style of someone thinking they're the bigger, stronger man and they want to impose that. You know, he really has that, which I get, man. A lot of these fighters, surprisingly, oddly enough, do have, he's got that bullying chip, you know, where if you want, even if you're not bullying him, if you look the part, he's going to come at you, you know, and fighters got to use motivation for whatever they can get, so you got to forgive him um, and understand that. Um, but, yeah, I think those styles, you know, generally do the worst, and if Jan plays at range, which I think they will because this is a high-stake match, I could see a range battle. Um, the problem is whether guys are pressuring or at range, especially if you go back and look at Adesanya's kickboxing career, he is really good with this, not just his footwork, but like his recovery footwork um, on how he recovers leg kicks, getting out of the way of leg kicks, or throwing his own as he maybe is even stepping back and uh, trying to get out of the way and take an angle off of it. Like He's just constantly... Um, Levering off the leg kicks is not the right usage of words here, but it's just he really is he really is working off of him. He is gaining some type of leverage, not just the attack itself, which obviously does damage, as we saw in the Yoel Romero fight, right? Um, so I think that's going to be something, as I wrote in my breakdown. Now, I'll, I'll probably tweet here in a bit, but uh, I believe all but two, and it's like usually matchups where it was ended close or ended fast slash... The person didn't even attempt any leg kicks. <laughs> Keep that in mind. But like everybody who's thrown leg kicks, all but two total of Jan's UFC opponents have landed either in the 90 or 100 percentile. Um, and that's something that's not just stats. I only look for those stats as far as confirmation bias goes. I don't try to necessarily hang my case on it, um, as you know. Uh, but it was something I noticed in watching the fight footage. And sure enough, the stats coincided with that and he doesn't really check kicks that well i mean Jan has the kicking offense and i think his kicking offense from his left side is going to be particularly potent as i talked about briefly on the fight site panel before i bounced out of there earlier this week um i had to leave early that's what i mean by bounce out of there by the way but uh yeah that note uh but it's it's the defense is what's lacking and uh, that's going to be something to watch out for as far as Jan's defense. Uh, as I noted before, Izzy's Southpaw has been most vulnerable traditionally, both in MMA and kickboxing. Uh, that's where he got knocked out from a left hook, which is, you know, um, uh, you know, it's a it's a dangerous shot because you don't really see it coming. It's something I've theorized. Um, some much smarter analysts than me, like Connor Rebush, have actually put that into words. Go check out his work, by the way. Plug for Connor. Um, but yeah, that left hook can really kill from the southpaw stance. Jan picked up on this as well uh, because he rep, you know, did his own version. Uh, especially he's really dangerous off the brakes, granted, of what uh, Bisping did to uh, Luke Rockhold and leveling him with that head movement. But however, um, Luke Rockhold kind of has a really kind of lazy hinge head movement where he kind of puts his head right back into the punch zone, whereas Adesanya actually steps off and shifts properly, gets himself offline and puts himself in said advantageous angle at the same time. So it's a different um, shift. Uh, and he showed to really adjust that from the Whitaker fight on. So I try not to harp on that too much. You know, however, when you got to have a guy, though, that is so deceptively left-handed strong, because Blakovich himself has admitted he's a left-handed orthodox uh, fighter. So, yeah. Um, 
That being said, I was going to go by decision because, I, you know, Blackwitch is tougher than they suspect. You know, high stakes, yada, yada. However, uh, I feel like um, if you're looking like to play any kind of unders or that this fight doesn't go the distance, I, I like that because obviously the Blackwitch upset, whether it's by submission or knockout, um, will probably happen under four and a half or before the bell, right? Uh, and I believe that Adesanya, even playing conservative, I think he might leg kick TKO Yan by the fourth. His leg is going to be so trash that he's going to produce a stoppage that way. Or force Yan, he's going to feel it hurt, and before it gets to that point where it's going to get trashed, Yan's going to panic knowing that it's coming, and then he's going to blitz like he did with um, Tiago Santos, who Tiago Santos, his only punch now still is like the check hooks, the swinging wild hooks and like uh, counter fashions. That's like his takedown defense, right? Um, and Adesanya has a much more pinpoint version of check hooks from both stances, as we saw him light up uh, Bobby Nux um, and others. But yeah, so I'm going to go uh, with Adesanya for a stoppage, as I said on my breakdown there. Um, Amanda Nunes, minus 1,000. Uh, Megan Anderson, plus 650. Um yeah, this fight's a lot closer than uh, the odds. Obviously, that's a kind of an obvious statement. You know, you hate to see why is this odd, but in the female divisions, they love doing this. Um, but if anyone you're going to do it for, I guess it's for the go-to Amanda Nunes. Um, she's the deserved favorite. I'm picking her to win. Part of me suspected it was going to be a grind by decision, but because of, like, Megan Anderson, she could, like, maybe Volkov her with, like, a long kind of guard. I do see her getting scares if she's not careful. I mean, if GDR was able to close triangle lock in a scare, uh, Megan Anderson and those long legs are going to be dangerous if Amanda Nunes is tired or not respecting or falls asleep at the steering wheel. Um, so perhaps if you're going for the fight not to go the distance, like, yeah, even the upset as far as that path goes, obviously there's a right hand that Megan Anderson, even though the speed difference will go in Nunes's favor, Anderson, I don't think she's as slow as many of us make her out to be. And don't get me wrong, I picked Nunez as well, and speed was part of that uh, for my confidence. Speed and experience was my uh, read as far as her navigating the right hands and being able to change the levels. Um, but she's got to be careful. Like a lot of those James Krause trained fighters, they don't just do shifting combinations, but they almost have that time march variation with the knee that they include in there, which is very smart considering a lot of them are tall fighters and a lot of them are fighters that, you know, maybe necessarily don't want to be taken down or put, put on their back. No fighter does, by the way. Uh, so it's just nice layers there to the what, what, what Crouch is, uh, not Crouch, Kraus is implementing. Um, and a lot of it is pace, too. It's like a pace fighter, right? Uh, we saw him, and it can backfire sometimes depending, you know, the situation. We saw him kind of overload the controls of Anthony Smith, who was trying to be, you know, uh, a good soldier, if you will, and try to do what his coach said, but you know, it was it was a bit overload. Um, but as you see, it's it, it definitely wins more than not. As I got nothing but good things to say about you know the Glory team and James Krause there, um, and that's something you want to do to Nunez. Uh, we saw it kind of peak out against Durandamy, but again, that fight was at 135, and I don't suspect she performs as well there, especially now as she looked to put on the pounds. And sure enough, in interviews leading up to this, she actually, I've heard it said a couple times that that was a really bad weight cut in that fight. And she was really proud that she was able to still go because her body was weak the whole time. I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. Uh, not that saying that, you know, Jermaine Durandamy's right hand wouldn't have, would appear to slightly stun her anyways, which is something to watch out for here with Megan Anderson. Uh, but still, I do believe that, yes, Nunez should be a lot healthier. And she looked good on the scales, first on the scales this morning. And Anderson looked good on the scales too, boy, let me tell you. Hey, listen, I like Casey Kenny as a fighter. 
and we'll get to him soon, but kid doesn't know what he's talking about, man. Megan, oh my God. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm not going to be creepy, but I just want, that is a beautiful woman there. But then again, you know, I am a guy who, uh, you know, enjoys, uh, is not scared off by a, uh, you know, a tall, uh, athletic, confident woman. But, uh, you know, anyways, I'm not going to go here, there, there. But, um, yeah, let's just say, uh, <laughs> oh, do I want to give TMI? Let's just say I, I appreciate the, I appreciate the type. And, um, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. This isn't Dan Tom's personal hour, but, uh, <laughs> stay on target. Stay on target. All right. Sorry. This is an expedited version. Let's, let's keep this moving, Dan. Uh, but yeah, all respect, uh, to Megan Anderson. Obviously, I'm, I only mean it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a respectful way there. But yeah, she's, she's more livelier. Shoot. Um, even though the odds are moving in the opposite direction, um, sorry, dogs are barking. Uh, even though the, the the odds are moving in the opposite direction, I would um, I would don't blame anybody uh, sprinkling on Anderson. By the way, this is just one of those spots where it's just too wide and too too unpredictable. So you just sprinkle on some fun props or pass, in my opinion. Um, Peter Yan minus one twenty, Algernon Sterling plus one hundred. Um, yeah, this is one that uh, I was looking at ahead of time, and I probably should have played it ahead of time because I've been having to settle for plus one hundred lines when they pop up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I like Sterling here. Um, and I've, this is the first time I picked against Peter Jan. Uh, I've been following Peter Jan since literally watching ACB 32 live, uh, this first battle against Magomed Magomedov. And we're hearing a lot of that, not just because it's not hipsters like me trying to posture folks. Um, it's because analog wise, that's kind of the last relevant matchup. Um, even though he's faced other wrestlers, they weren't like, you know, relentlessly trying to pursue, you know takedowns and top game and submissions and shit like you he, he didn't fight you know no i don't want to say marab because marab doesn't really pursue submissions but you get what i'm saying like he wasn't f facing that type of fighter um and i like peter yon but uh it's something he's gonna have to answer here now um something my man uh Moy Kaiba, uh tommy elliott on uh Moy cowboy sorry uh on twitter uh pointed out which i agree that because you guys know me that's Athletic, explosive is like kind of super racist. <laughs> Can be super racist by my book without not not super racist, but like racist without realizing it because it's just like you know, and it's just lazy. It's like oh, the, the black guy is more athletic, but like no, I would actually would give the athleticism edge to Jan. I don't think he's going to be the stronger person um, from positions, but I do think he's going to be. He will be the more athletic and explosive. That thing that's just so kind of lazily used for. Um, you know, black athletes, but yeah, no, actually Jan will be the more athletic and explosive individual here. Um, it's a big part of the reason why he scrambles so well that, and he actually does really good wrestling, but like a lot of wrestling and again, shot to Ed Gallo. It's so hard to avoid takes. This one I actually went to, went to read cause I wanted to double check something that I already published and I'm like, I'm going to look like an idiot if, uh, one of the wrestling, uh, the wrestling analysts I respect most shots to Ed Gallo, um, is different, but we actually agreed on the wizard note being a big addition um, and a big thing that Jan's going to need here to be a momentum stopper and obviously what it's designed to do, kind of like a back take stopper. But that was the big adjustment um, in the second Maga Madoff fight, which, you know, he probably should have won the one first one, especially if it was going by more today's rules, the revised edition by damage. But he needed to stop those grappling, right? And uh, the wizard was it. But uh, the original w reason why I pointed toward Ed's way to pay him a compliment and what to watch out for here was turtling and tripoding. And... Um, it's something Jan does, and um, Ed, of course, notes this too. 
but uh, in his in his article, which I believe is up over at Bloody Elbow, um, he cites it from him training with freestyle wrestlers, which makes sense. That's much more primary style um, worldwide or in Russia and the regions that he's from, certainly not like the folk style or collegiate programs here, which focuses a little... You can't get away with that kind of stuff as much. So I wanted to note that, but also credit where that note came from. You know me, I always give credit where credit is due here. Um, that being said, I, I stay away from this analysis before I write. That's what's so hard about weeks like these. And like, especially with, and I, and I love y'all, this isn't like subtweet or sub talk or shade. Um, I get it, you know. Uh, but like, uh, every, the, the thing is now, not even articles, like everybody posts their articles for free, like the week of. I don't know if it's that thing where we all want to be first and get all our takes out there. You know, to have something to point to, but like, I'm trying to sit here and keep up with fight cancellations, and I feel like that Matrix gift where I'm like dodging bullets, just trying to like not to get like, not spoilers, obviously, that's the wrong word, but like, again, you got it out of the trash can, Brownie. Out of the trash can. Nothing in there for you. Big tink. Um, sorry, but like, you know, it just, you got to keep the filter clean because things bleed in, and I really like to present, you know. Uh, especially my articles and stuff. So so it, it, that was really hard this week. But I do want to give credit where credit's due and the things that um, I stumbled across and coincide with the analysis that I'm giving you here. But that is something to watch for when you're on um, turtles uh, and whatnot. And also getting taken down off of kicks. That's what um, Magomedov was able to do and get his successful takedowns or entries off of because Jan, even though he looked like he consciously didn't want to kick as much in the Magomedov rematch, like he couldn't help himself and... Uh, Magomedov gets those entries off of it, and that's what Sterling does as well. He's really good at that. That's what he did in the Sanhagen fight. Um, he knew what he had to do. Now, people will point to Sterling maybe falling in love with his hands and or not liking his striking style despite it being able to get the job done. And I understand those concerns. Um, even other people I respect could point to, like, the Pedro Munoz fight or like, some of these bad entries. But something I want to bring up that I brought up on the Fight Site podcast, and I'll bring up in again here, and I even brought it up uh, before the Corey Sanhagen fight, and boy, was that apropos, was that Aljamain Sterling had nagging wrist issues throughout a middle chunk of his career, um, which coincidentally coincides when he was not wrestling and or not looking good when he chose to wrestle. So fighters do say a lot of things. You you, you can't, you got to be careful of taking them at their word. Uh, however, when it does match up with what you see on tape to what the statistics say, well, maybe there's something there. And um, and again, the wrist on having him grip and finish shots. And if you look at it, like he was barely throwing left hands, and he kind of just said "fuck it" at a certain point. And he actually and, and admitted so much to so post in interviews to that he messed up his hand even further in that Pedro Munoz fight. And you look at it, he was throwing elbows, right? Those kind of cheeky lead elbows over the top. Well, what what hand was he doing it? It was doing with his left. And um, and yeah, no matter which side you finish, each hand kind of has a different duty. And if it was inhibiting him, then that, I think, explains the takedowns. Because if I flash forward to his last fight, which is also going down in the UFC Apex against another striking phenom at the top of the division, Aljo knew exactly what he needed to do, and he got to it. Um, and it was really world-class, that back kick. Don't dis Like I told told you guys, don't discount Corey Sanhagen off that. That was some world-class stuff. Um, I know that's overused, but... The way Algerman works the back, like, I can see why he's so confident and why he thinks he only needs one uh, back take. Um, I agree, but I think he's going to have to get that in the first two rounds. Otherwise, Peter Jan is, if he didn't already make him pay for an entry at that, that point, whether he's catching him on the way in or on the way out of clinch exchanges, which is something to watch for to the body and head. Jan digs to the body, and we've seen Aljo hurt there. 
Um, so expect Jan to do plenty of body work in this fight. And he will probably pull away with that body work and even incorporate some leg work um, as well as the fight goes on despite the takedown threat at hand. So uh, Jan will either get a decision or a nutritional kind of like stoppage if uh, Aljo doesn't get the sub within the first two rounds, in my opinion. So I don't know how that lines up with your guys' plays. If you bet maybe the fight didn't go the distance, um, you know, my, my analysis isn't too hurtful to your hopes there uh, because that's kind of how I see it going either way. But I'm going to go with Aljamain Sterling. I played him for one unit at plus 100. Next fight, Islam Mahachev, minus 180 versus Drew Dober, plus 315. Um, light line open wide as it is for a Mahachev fight. It's kind of staying there. So i kind of a bit scared away from this fight. It was a southpaw note I was sharing with my man Chris um, about, um, and I think it scared him off too, not that I tell him or any of you guys where to put your money, but essentially that his last loss was to a southpaw and he got knocked out, right, with a check right hook. Beautiful by Adriano Martins against a guy who doesn't normally get knockouts. Very troublesome. Uh, he gets his revenge on an American top team Brazilian southpaw a couple years later and a couple years ago at this point against Gleason Tebow. Granted, Gleason Tebow was ancient and coming off like uh, USADA, you know, off the, off the, off the, uh, off the uh, acai juice and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, and Tebow hasn't looked the same and barely fought since, right? He's like an older guy at this point. So how much do you put into that? Was it the first punch thrown he knocked him out with, right? So he's one and one getting knocked out, viciously knocked out, or giving a knockout. And now he's going to face his third southpaw, Andrew Dober, who is on a run. But, yes, wrestling and grappling has been his weakness. So I expect Dober to have his chances in that first round. Um, but if he doesn't, I expect Makachev to either finish him, uh, uh, cook him by the second, or just... Uh, Write him out for a decision, um, getting his entries and whatnot. It, it, it's crazy, man. Like so many, it's it, you get old when you just start seeing like, oh, that guy's that ring doctor's dead. Oh, there's my old coach who's dead. There's another coach who's dead. And now you see it wasn't definitely my coach, but like uh, one of the most renowned coaches, Abdul Manap, Nurmagomedov. Um, he was a guy who was religiously in Islam's corner as much as his own, his own son. And uh, I just realized this is gonna be his first fight without Abdul Manap. So that's kind of another flag there, right? I mean, Khabib passed that test in flying colors, but Islam's a different dude. Islam's not as athletic and durable as Khabib. He's more technical by my standings, but he's not as athletic and durable. So, And I like Dober a lot. I wouldn't be upset to see him get the upset. I'm not saying you need to stay away from Makachev, but I have not played him in a parlay. Outside of, I'll probably put him in the for fun main card parlay that I always do by default, but I wouldn't purposely put him in anything serious otherwise. Um, Alexander Rakic came down from a two to over two to one favor that he opened. I think he's coming down a whole dollar at minus one sixty five with Thiago Mejeta Santos. Thiago de Mojeta. Whatever that. I really hate that song. It's really awful. Yeah, he came down a whole dollar. Um, if he comes down like into the minus 150 range, and maybe I would consider Rakic because uh, I think he rolls here. Um, his kick, no, not a lot of people kick at him, and that's the thing you really want to see. And he's kind of hit or miss there. He's not completely lackadaisical, but he really seems prioritized with his power. And who can blame him? Because when he went leg kick for leg kick with Anthony Smith, who's not is very used to Muay Thai. Uh, and leg kicks coming at him, and boy, did he just knock him off of his feet. Um, again, this guy's like a, a heavyweight fighting at light heavyweight. I mean, they all are, technically, but he really is, whereas Thiago Santos is a guy who can make middleweight coming up to light heavyweight, and Thiago Santos, I didn't realize, he's like 37 or 38, so he's much older, multiple knee surgeries, 
is even the same guy at this point? You know, big questions there. And even if he was, you know, Dan Tom, I'm never big on these like knockout threat guys or they just they have to win by that certain way. Um, we've seen him, you know, sub by like the Eric Spices of the world. I like Eric Spices. That's not a knock, but it's just like you know he can have these faults or mental faults, and you know, suspect there. And this Rakich guy looks like he really likes to go for takedowns. He's high volume. Um, I know he got dropped or briefly rocked by Devin Clark, but Devin Clark, for what you want to say about him, A, has power, and B, if you look at the, one of those things, it it was a shot that should rock him because I remember it was a lunging left that Devin, doesn't A, doesn't usually throw because the left is typically his weak side. So Rakic is actually moving away at a 45. He's not even backing straight up. He's moving at a 45 away from the power and has his hand up. Like, you really couldn't ask for Rakic to do much more. But a lot of the times when you have your hand and guard up, sometimes that punch with these small gloves still sneak through. And when you it's when you say the punch you don't see coming hits you, hurts you, That that is true. But I would argue what is also right up there is the punch that you do see coming, but you think you're blocking. Those ones really hurt, too. And he thought he would block because he was doing pretty much everything right. And he just got hit with a perfect shot. And then he got hit with a bunch of knees that should have put anybody out, Devin Clark or not. Um, and his, you know, and, and so people that point to that Devin Clark thing, they don't, not that I'm saying I'm a know, know-it-all or anything, that I, I, I know exactly what happened, but it, most people don't even bring up that facet, much less what happened after that should have shown that this guy has a chin. Does that mean he can't be knocked out? Does that mean Tiago Santos can't knock him out? No, of course not. If he runs into one of those stupid hooks that uh, Glover did at the third round, by the way, Glover Teixeira is going to be the real champ. That's my prediction. If Glover steps in, by the way, I'm betting the house on Glover, and so should you. He's going to get rocked, get a takedown, and, and win. Um, shouts to the MMA analysis there. I know they've that was some of their biggest caches as well as mine last year. Good old Glover. So that brings up good memories. And nothing against Tiago Santos, man. I like Tiago Santos, but it's just that is – you know, been the traditional weakness there. So I like Rakich in the spot, and this line keeps going. I don't mind anybody getting creative and playing Rakich. Um, I don't know if I would get inside the distance, uh, although maybe like a round three, like attritional stoppage or a decision. He says Tiago Santos is just checked out after his, you know, first couple tries don't work. That's kind of what I see this going. So we'll see. I'll take Rakich, and I don't know. Well, that line is definitely playable. If it, especially if he keeps coming down, the options will open up. Casey Kenny minus 125. Dominic Cruz plus 105. This isn't where the line opened. Um, it opened at like a near pick I think Dominic Cruz slightly favored, and money came in on Casey. I'm kind of surprised at both the opening and that it hasn't gone further. And I know I was talking to my man Zane Simon there uh, and agreeing with him on a bunch of uh, lines. I think this was the one that he mentioned maybe that I didn't disagree disagree with and i'm a big dominant cruise fan folks um uh, and i really want to you know and it sucks because he's gonna get you know this keith peterson thing like he's getting reminded for this beef and it sucks because i don't you know i, I think obviously his does deserve a favorite and was you know uh, gonna probably win the fight in a number of ways anyways so in no way am i you know butthurt or uh, crying about that um, you know, Dan Tom, I just, I'm a big fan of turtle and tripoding and no one understands that position. And I just, I hate when refs choose when, when that's the, the point to stop it. It always looks bad, whether it's a stoppage that should be taking place, like Sousa Whitaker, but it's like, oh, you didn't choose to stop it when the guy is like 
searching for his senses being dropped, but you stop it when he's turtled and trying to get back to his feet. Like, yeah, of course people are going to get upset for a stoppage that shouldn't have had no controversy. In fact, should have been stopped earlier, if anything. But when referees choose to stop it, when fighters are turtling, it, even when they're right to do so, it just creates problems. Uh, is my point, A. And B, coinciding with that point, shows that, surprise, surprise, these officials um, do not understand the fucking sport they're watching a lot of the times, or these positions and what they mean. And they go, oh, well, intelligent defense. Um, he's not defending himself. Like, okay, first of all, even if he's putting his hands up to defend himself as opposed to turtle and get himself in a better position and back into the fight... Um, technically, by your definition, just putting your hands up is an intelligent defense, which I agree with, by the way. You know, uh, and it, it's just, we got, you know, and, and, and I get it. Like, Turtle can be a surrender position, certainly. Especially if someone, like, wants out of there. Like, um, when Aldo turtled, it should have been stopped, right? Both with the Max Holloway fight and the Peter Yan fight. Uh, that should have been stopped. That was a sign of surrender. But in general, it's not an automatic sign of surrender. Just like the reason why I'm, I'm a big fan of standing stoppages and more of them. Um, because we, we we shouldn't need and be programmed for a fighter to drop dead or close to dropping dead for that. Oh, I think they're done now. Like, no, let's be a little more intelligent about this, refs. Um, I know it's a thankless job, but, I mean, fucking A. Um, anyways, I just hate that shit. So I agree with Dominic Cruz on that point, and he's even saying, he's like, I had to be accountable for that loss. He's like, I, the, the point is I shouldn't have put myself there at the end of the day. So it's good to see Cruz taking accountability, but to Cruz's point, Guess who's not taking an accountability to the refs? So I'm not saying you guys have to like Cruz or pick him here. I'm picking Kenny, and I'm actually playing Kenny, folks. I'm playing against my guy Cruz. So believe me, if anybody can put bias aside, it's your boy. All I'm asking is, even if you don't like Cruz or don't, just understand that he is asking for the same thing we all ask for. Fucking officials to know their shit and be accountable for it. That's it. And they weren't. He had a backstage issue plus the stoppage issue. Um as well it's like i don't have any issue and i think he handled it pretty classy in the interview this week and i know he's getting crucified for it like but i don't have any issue with that like the fighters have no fucking rights okay you guys should be on his side for that because aren't we the same people saying oh fighters should have more rights and these commissions should be accountable that's all fucking cruz is saying and god forbid he's taking one of the little leverages that's allowed for these fighters in this fucking game that is stacked against them every fucking level he is going to take the little bit of leverage from one of the most unsympathetic people, the fucking athletic commissions, and we're going to give him shit for it? We're going to give him shit because he doesn't want a ref who, you know, by his accounts, in and out of the octagon, did him wrong and wasn't professional uh, before, which I like Keith Peterson. I don't even care if it's true or not, but the point is, um, to Dominic Cruz's credit, he's never did a referee complaint in his whole career. And... uh whether active fighters are on this card, he's got some seniority, folks. So um, for what that's worth, yeah, he wasn't fighting for a lot of those. Okay, whatever. The point still stands. You know what I'm saying? And so we're going to give him shit for requesting and taking what little leverage he has for a referee. But like John Jones requesting his buddy Herb Dean and specifically not requesting McCarthy. I know McCarthy isn't ref anymore, but this is true and did happen. He asked John himself. Um, because John, Big John actually, you know, came down on him for stuff like eye pokes. Whereas Herb Dean, fucking a decade later, is still going, uh, John, uh, your fingers actually have to go up here. Like, oh, you fucking idiot. Um, anyways, yeah, but yeah, let's go, let's go ahead and give Dominic Cruz shit. Not the overprivileged, um, 
guy who self-admits to cheating on video, but yet yeah, is anyways. Let's yeah, whatever. The point is, I think it's a bad matchup for Cruz. <laughs> Rand aside, um, yeah, and don't even get me started on as my you know. I, I'm gonna try to spare you guys the whole. Which uh, Bisping, I love Bisping, but he triggered me again last week with the fucking, you know, oh, well, he, she didn't get a submission, so should any of that grappling have counted? Yeah, you're right. Two submissions. Fucking Christ. It's fucking. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm just, I am that old man getting mad at shit. Um, but yeah, I, the leg kicks, um, the counters, the hooks, fighting from both stance. Um, you know, I know Cruz is a bigger bantamweight, and Kenny can't be taken down, but. Cruz's style, it doesn't age well for the way the rules have both transferred on paper and rightfully transferred. I'm not arguing it, folks. We should be prioritizing damage. But like the rant and tangent that I have went on before and just teased prior, um, Cruz is not, his style is not going to garner a lot of points because there's not a lot of damage in it. And he doesn't even use a lot of positional control or passing. Um, which are things that I will defend, but I'm not sure I can defend Cruz's typical scoring takedowns, riding. And it's great. It's disruptive. It gets the guy tired. It helps asserts a dominance. It does so much more for the fight to ensure that Cruz is winning. But with what Kenny's going to be throwing and offering, even from those positions, by the way, the guy is a judo and jiu-jitsu black belt, as well as a Greco-Roman, uh, a lot of Greco-Roman and uh, amateur wrestling experience for Kenny as well. Um, so... Yeah, man, and he's shown to be a little more diligent on the takedowns. And granted, the last fight that he got taken down was four fights ago, and that was Marab Devashvili. That's his whole freaking game. Um, so I don't think Cruz can do that or will do that um, unless Cruz hits him with his own check hooks, which are really good, and rocks Kenny with his power. Um, that's that's the only way. I don't even see Cruz really decisioning Kenny because Kenny's uh, volume is too high. He doesn't get tired. He's always attacking and. His sweeping kicks up high to the body and to the legs are just going to be a, a fucking nightmare for Cruz. So I actually laid the chalk at minus 125, folks, um, for 1.25. I hate it. If I lose at least, if I lose that, uh, you know, which is probably the biggest bet I'm making on this card because it's chalk, um, at least what means my favorite, one of my favorite fighters, Dominic Cruz, who is one of the most underrated fighters, will want. But I'm picking and playing Kenny. All right, next fight. Song Yudong minus 160. Kyler Phillips plus 140. I thought this line was strangely tight, but I actually get it. I'm still going to pick Yudong, but Kyler Phillips is kind of like just a tireless worker who's always attacking. Um, not as much wrestling like a Kenny, but and more of a submission guy. Uh, kicks, uh, but you know, kicks on the outside, all the way in, all the way out. A lot of submissions and scrambles. And he keeps going. So if if Yudong, you know, uh, doesn't get him uh, Kyler Phillips out of there by the third round, you're going to be sweating again with Yudong, probably losing it, uh, and then you're going to question, oh, who did more damage in the uh, second round? And rewatching the fight, it wasn't a robbery or anything. By the way, I I think I had Yudong live. It's just again the commentary, right? Like he was doing more of the damaging shots, but Cheeto Vera does land a good body shot at the end. But you have Bisping interjecting, going, he's hurt, he's hurt. And it's really dangerous because, you know, there's no... And I tweeted that, too, live, and people seem to sentiment it because this was early on in the pandemic, and it's like, you could be influencing the judges. And, of course, Cheeto Vera works with Jason Perillo, who is Bisping's best friend and coach or whatever. And I love Jason Perillo, too, by the way. And I love all those guys. I love the Rufka gym. I love Rufka. You see me wearing it all the time. But there's a clear bias there. And, again, it's like, if... 
fucking measly old Dan Tom here who, you know, not as popular or anything like that and without a platform. I'm still citing and giving credit where credit's due and admitting my biases. It's just really annoying when the people at the top aren't doing that because, and again, it's not coming at the commentators. It's a very hard job. They have a very hard job to do. Like, John Anik's so goddamn talented. So much respect for all these guys, right? Um, but it's just when Bisping has his bias, whether it's a striker bias or his fighter bias shines through, it's A, it's not professional or correct, and, and B, it the more annoying part is that it influences so many people that, you know, me or, like, the Brad Taschuk's or the other people in the world who have their fucking head on straight with, like, actually seeing and breaking these fights down are having to now machete our way through bad takes and having to recorrect so many bad takes on our way and defend our own correct takes just because of you know, what was called live. So people were, were got swayed by that, even though Yudong actually recovered and landed more hard shots to finish out the round than Vera did. But you wouldn't have known that because Yudong was hurt. Yudong was hurt. And uh, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, but um, but anyways, and, and if that fight would have went to Vera, I wouldn't have been upset. It's just more the it's, it's more out of principle, right? I'm not crying about the result here, folks. Um, Kyler Phillips uh, has never been stopped, though. He's only lost once, and it's by uh, decision uh, to Victor Henry, and it was a split. And uh, Victor Henry is obviously, uh, you know, he's uh, a pretty notable name as far as regionals go. It's uh, Josh Barnett's dude, I believe. Um, and, yeah, so uh, I think it's going to be a sweater. So I'm going to pick Yadong, but I actually um, I actually avoided this one. Um, what the heck? Okay, no, no. Yeah, I actually avoided this one. All right, next fight, uh, Joseph ben, or Askar Askarov minus 130, Joseph Benavides plus 110. Um, Askarov was one of the later guys to win. I wonder if he was having a, a, a troublesome cut. I'm going to look at uh, some things now. But you guys know I haven't been high on Askar Askarov. Um, he's like really only won two fights, and then you can even, you know, that Tim Elliott fight, and even there was moments there where it was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you, you know, anyways, like, I, I've been high on him, and then even. And his main game is wrestling, and even other wrestling analysts uh, gotten back to me and like are like, "Yeah, Dan, I don't, I don't get what's what's up with this guy too." Askarov, one twenty seven, misses weight. Look at that! Ah ha ha! I like my Joe B pick, even though more money's coming on an Askarov though he missed weight. I get it; it's his style as a wrestler. But who's hold Joseph Benavides down? Like, if you're gonna fade Joseph Benavides here, because you know, he sounds checked out. First of all, the guy always is, like, into weird stuff. It's just why I love him. He hates talking about fighting. So he always kind of has had these interviews for one. That being said, he is older. He is on his way out. You can't deny those things. Uh, maybe he comes out and just doesn't perform, like, anything, right? It would be unprofessional, and that is one thing Joseph Benavides is not. So I don't think that happens. Uh, so if Jonah Benavides fights, he's not going to get controlled. The only person he's been controlled by was Davis and Figueredo, who is uh, my number one athletic cheater, <laughs> of course, and um, you know the god of war, uh, the champ, um, an athletic outlier, uh, and he only controlled him after like rocking his shit for two fights in a row. You know what I'm saying? Like that was before. That was uh, then he strangled him. Um, and he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under the Marajo brothers. Right? Okay, so, I mean, let's... Uh, Askarov is not those things. He's not even that athletic. He's kind of funky and annoying. So if you're not a good submission grappler or wrestler, he's going to be really annoying, and his size and length is going to do him well at flyweight, even though 
his body may be telling him because he looks goddamn emaciated. I was noting that, that this even before Wayans when I was looking at his Instagram, like this guy looks like he shreds himself. Um, so it's not like he's he he'll push himself to go for the three rounds, but it's not like he's like marabbing people out there. Like he's got the high energy. Like he's you know he's slugging along too. And Joseph Benavides has never been like, scrambling is his specialty. Asker Askarov does not have the power or the technique on the feet, and he's going to be giving his neck to the last guy you want to give your neck to. Um, so I, I took Joseph Benavides here um, for um, a whole, you know, a 1.5 unit. Actually, I went big on him for a dog, um, bigger on the other dogs that I went on. Uh, we'll go next. Um, the, you don't got to fall me off that cliff though, because that's that's clearly biased. But yeah, um, but there's also stylistic things there that were confirmed by other pe other analysts. So I respect for what that's worth. So yeah. Um, not the most confident fade Askarov time. I was hoping they were going to give him Perez, uh, and Perez was going to do the job, but, uh, Benavides can do it. Um, Amanda Lemos, minus 140. She actually opened as an underdog, which is crazy because she's a parlay piece that, uh, if you're in a parlay, I, I actually don't blame you for using her, but at the same time, I feel like I got cheated because she got opened at plus 165, so... Um, I'll probably still throw Lemos in something. I like her. She looked good at the weigh-ins. She really transformed her body. Uh, I made the mistake of overlooking Lemos because you look at her record. She's like, yeah, she's a jungle fight champion, but she didn't fight anybody. But look, that's how all these girls are. That's how Souza was until she got to Invicta. But even her Invicta record, you could kind of poke some holes in. And as soon as Souza got to the big stage, it was a clear drop-off. And even the people she did beat, she A, should have beat, and B, those wins did not age well. Um... Lemos does not have a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu official ranking, but I really like how she moves and scrambles. And you can tell she's trained and competed uh, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because that's the camp she comes from. She, again, hey, uh, the Marajo brothers, which is Yuri and Eldemar Alcantara, uh, the similar ties that um, Dice Duguera, Davison Figueiredo had. So that's who she, that's who's training her ground game as well, folks. So uh, she's, she's well-schooled there. She comes from a Jiu-Jitsu gym. But she can fight off the back foot, front foot, punches, kicks, elbows, counters, checks, and she keeps volume up high and consistently. She's aggressive um, and more, uh, probably more athletic than Souza. Souza just, she doesn't look athletic. She She's more athletic than she looks, but unfortunately she fights to more how she looks than how she's skilled and, and the athleticism she has. Like, she goes for really bad takedown choices, even though I get it. She's a judo national qualifier. That's her specialty. But she goes for those really bad head and arm throws that I don't think she's going to get on a more athletic person. Um, she was only able to get them on Yoder because that's Yoder's weakness as well. And Yoder can't help but go for a back when she sees it. So she was going for backs every time that uh, Souza would go for those. Um, but, yeah, Souza, unless she's able to get a finish, which she's seems like to get her finishes morely by strikes by throwing she swings wild hooks um I, I don't think she's gonna do it here her gas tank's not super suspect but i do expect lemos to be the fighter who's more fresher and works at a higher more consistent pace she scores more just everything you want to see in betting a woman's fight lemos lemos does whereas souza you know she's got the Invicta championship she's got the judo black belt the judo national qualifier she's got some even a lot of uh, more stoppages you would expect for strikes for both a lady and a submission fighter but she's going against a bigger stronger more durable more better striker than she is so i think those are out of the question and 
she, well, the common thread is that she fights against her strength and underperforms. Whether she wins or lose, Souza fights against her strength and traditionally underperforms. Against somebody who traditionally overperforms, minus her taking a fight on short notice two divisions up. Um, against Leslie Smith, who's no joke, who fights at 45 now, okay? <laughs> well, now we're 30 pounds down to that from uh, 115 a weight class, which Lemos is undefeated. So I get the confidence in Lemos. Um, and, I, and you know, I, like I said, I, I stayed away from parlay so far. I haven't played any. I'm not giving you guys out any. Doesn't mean I won't. And Lemos will be someone that I look at. I believe she's probably one of the safer ones out there. Next fight, dead even at minus 110, Tim Elliott, Jordan Espinosa. Um, money coming in on Elliott, I got him at plus 100, played him for a unit. Uh, basically not high on Espinosa. Um, like, he does the, he tries to do the uh, Dice to Guerra Figueredo slash UL Romero thing where I'm going to be athletic and rely on bursts of offense, except, you know, uh, they're not as reliable offense, and his wrestling is not as good as it seems, nor is his submission defense. He's patched that up with movement and a more active jab, which is really good for Espinosa. Um, however, it's going to be hard to line up against a switch-dancing, shifting guy like Elliot, who's throwing sweeping attacks, diving in unorthodox. I think it's going to make that part of Espinosa's game fall apart. And I feel like Espinosa doesn't have the wrestling, grappling, much less the experience to deal with that sort of fight that Elliot's going to bring. And whether it's by decision or a later submission, I think Elliot gets it. I haven't touched any prop those props um, because I was able to grab Elliot at plus money. That's the play there, and uh, you know he looked pretty good at the weigh-ins too, even though it's a big cut for him. Um, Carlos Olberg minus two fifty-five. Kennedy Nischekwu, who was the last to weigh in, but it looks like he made weight, I believe, plus two fifteen. So uh, I'm gonna go Olberg here, but I'm staying away from this one. This is a uh, I don't think it's on my avoid list, but I'm, I'm going to avoid it. Um, Olberg, I didn't have a grading the winners for, because even though I watched it, I remember watching this guy. He upset the Oliveira dude that people were high on, but like, oh, because I was technically off, even though kind of I was busy with other things, but I, I technically took work off. So I didn't do a grading the winners for that card or the fighters on it. Um, that being said, I'll, I'll take Olberg here um, to, to get the kickboxing he wants. Um, let's see, when's the last time in Czechu fight? I didn't really look in this fight clearly. That's another reason why I'm staying away. But uh in Czechu, I know he lost to Paul Craig, but he came back Darko Stusher, that doesn't really mean much. Yeah, he's been away for a year. Twenty eight, who knows, man, who knows? But it's gonna have he's not gonna have the size parity he likes, and that's gonna be a question that he's gonna have to answer. Olberg's had to answer it both in fights before, like against Oliveira and in training camp, because obviously he's had Izzy, so um yeah, I'll take Olberg here to be ready. Um Next fight, um, we got Sean Brady minus two ten. Jake Matthews, Jake Matthews, Matthews, Jake Matthews, Matthews. <laughs> Sorry, terrible Australian accent there. Um, but I got I got Sean Brady here. This is going to be a test for him, definitely. You know, uh, you know, if you look at his fighter experience, both in and out of the UFC compared to Matthews, Matthews definitely has the upper hand. But if you look at the bouts, Matthews tendly, tends to lose. It doesn't have to be a size parity. You can be a shorter, more stouter guy if you're a good grappler. Um, I like how Kevin Lee was. Not that he fights like Kevin Lee, but yeah, Sean Brady. Um, he rarely sells him, puts himself out of position. I think he's going to dictate the words and wins. I think he wins this fight, but I'm a little tentative to lay the chalk. What did he open at? Did he open that high? Minus 170. Okay, that makes a little more sense. Um, starting to get a little too high for me. 
we'll see. But uh, I do think he, he he should win that. But it is a test fight for him, right? Um, Kai Car France minus one thirty five for Jira Bonturin plus one fifteen. Um, this line opened wider, tightened. I could see why, because I think people finally learned that just because Kai Car France is a cool name, cool highlight reel, and this fight of city kickboxing. Like, and I'm not hating. I love city kickboxing, and I nothing against Kai Car France. He's like a great dude. Congratulations. He just had a baby boy in February. Him and his uh, lady. Uh, wish them nothing but the best. But I'm just saying that the line reflected that hype and i cashed on it with royville and i i I, uh you know and uh i think people finally caught on to that train that's what we're seeing here that being said i think this is a fight he could win i submitted bonterin as my early pick for mma junkie because we have to do those so kind of like the vince cachero so hopefully i'm not jinxing that but uh, i'm gonna stick to it um bonterin i like bonterin i've actually picked him every time uh, UFC wise um, and even you know uh, so minus uh, well I think I even picked him against Borg but as we saw when fights go long it's kind of sketchy and we didn't know the shape he was going to get in his social media is dead so I don't know what the hell he's been doing he looked good on the scales of midweight which is a great sign um, but who knows it's a freaking wild card I think Kaikar France should be able to have some lot of he's going to have to eat some stuff and survive some scares but I think he, sh- he should be favored as he'll probably win. But I'm going to stick with Bonturin. I don't blame any. It's a dog or pass, but it's on my avoid. I'm going to stick with Bonturin, but this is on my avoid. Um, so is Brady Matthews, I guess. I put that on my avoid. So I guess I should avoid that one, huh? Like, that's a fact-finding mission. Just like the main event last week, like I told you guys. It's a fact-finding mission, which is why I was so surprised people were so upset at Gon's performance. Gone? Gone where? Uh, Euro Schmedich, I know he got a good grade for me, uh, minus 170. Alan Cruz, plus 150. But this is tough because Medich, I think he was a big underdog because he came from that Alaska Fighting Championships, which usually is not great and doesn't have the most depth, and you can't tell how good a guy is. But he looked good from that Southpaw stance, right? I believe it was a Southpaw stance. Sorry, I've had a lot to research. Um, but, yeah, uh, we don't know the depth of his game, whereas Alan Cruz, he's shown skills everywhere but he's also shown that he can be dealt with everywhere too uh he was just a really big 145er i think was what it was right now he's up at 155 where this fight is whereas uh medich has fought at 170 before but medich is a natural 55 either so it's weird it looks like a, a welterweight's meeting a featherweight in the middle here but this is honestly the weight class these guys both should be at and alan cruz still might be the bigger guy secondly um with, though Medich is hard to get a beat on, I didn't catch. Maybe he went stateside or, you know, mainland United States to train. But uh, I do know that Alan Cruz has been training since last year um, at Extreme Couture nonstop. So, of course, um, you know, that's going to account for something. So I'm actually going to pick Cruz here for the dog price for two guys we really don't know a lot about. But obviously, Cruz is coming off the loss, so his stock is lower. Um, he has lost to a southpaw before, I believe Spike Carlisle is a southpaw, although that loss obviously came in the clinch and on the floor. So I don't know how much you want to count that, whereas Medich, um, training and fighting, without even looking into it, I can already tell you, just he, he, he's already had less experience with southpaws, right? So it's going to be a wild card if that is the matchup. Maybe I'm remembering Medich wrong and he comes out orthodox or change things up, I don't know. Again, another reason why this fight's on the avoid, folks. So I'm going to pick Cruz, but it's an avoid for me. Um, Bautista is another chalk 
piece that like maybe you know you put together Lemos and Bautista. I know some people were hitting me up with that. I like Bautista a lot, man. You know, you remember him getting beat by Sanhagen, but you really look at this kid, and oh my god, he's got his own kind of Sanhagen ass game, different style, but shifting. But he's also got like that really good John Crouch training mentality where you know he trains his guys to win fights. Um, he trains his guys to get up off off their back. Um, and Trevin Jones, I believe he's a southpaw, but you know he caught value of speeding there. Um, Trevin Jones is the guy who looked like I kind of alluded to earlier. He looked a bit DUI on the scales today. He looked a bit like that. So um, uh, I was going to go with Bautista anyways. He's going to be the bigger guy, better striker. I don't think Bautista is going to fall into that trap. Um, and he seems to have a good chin. You know, I don't know if he's uh, Mexican or what, but you know, he's definitely got that warrior spirit. So I'll go Bautista there. I'm sure you can probably get even or maybe even slight plus money if you do. Bautista and Lemos, but uh, not telling you to follow me off that cliff. As I recap my picks and plays, which are only going to be straight plays. Starting from the top, we've got I'm taking Adesanya over Blakovich. I'm taking Nunez over Anderson. Anderson. Bueller. Taking Sterling over Jan. Taking Mahachev over Dober. Taking Rakic over Tiago Temoeta. Taking Kenny doesn't know what the heck he's talking about with women, but I think he can win this fight. Uh, over uh, Cruz, wah, wah, t- taking Yadong. Don't clip that. <laughs> Get that drop. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I got to be careful. I'm picking Yadong. How about that? That's better. Over Phillips. Uh, looks like he's trying to do the second coming of T-City. Oh, by the way, I wrote T- T- Kyler Phillips wanted to hit the scale, and I thought it was Livia, not Souza, like because not you know, Souza's kind of got that thuggish style, let's just say. Um, and then, but it was Phillips, and like he takes off like the shirt, and I'm like, I thought like it was Souza, and I'm like, why is she topless? Why are they letting her get on the scale? Like, oh wait, it's Kyler Phillips. So yeah, I know. So, oh, and by the way, go look at the. I wrote in my notes, Rogan commentary on Holm Anderson. Rogan is going nuts on Megan Anderson. I mean, he, you, you think Dan Tom is having trouble staying on target? Rogan's like, he's talking about thighs. He's like, put her on a dragon. I could hear Rogan unzipping. I think Rogan likes him a big athletic woman too. Anyway, side note there. Uh, taking, what was I say? Oh, yeah, that was taking your dong over. No, picking your dong over Phillips. Jesus, that's where I got sidetracked. Picking, taking Benavidez over Askarov. Taking Lemosh over Souza, taking Elliot over Espinoza, taking Olberg over Nizchekwu, taking Brady over Matthews, taking Bontorin over France, that's an avoid, taking Cruz over Medic, also avoid, taking Bautista over Jones. Um, I played Sterling at plus 100 for a unit, Benavides is a plus 100 for 1.5, just over. Uh, Elliot plus 100 for a unit, Kennedy at. Kenny at minus 125 for uh, minus 1.2 U. Um, and uh, maybe I'll uh, put Lemos and Bautista together. I don't know. Uh, avoid Cruz and uh, Medich. Avoid Grady. Uh, I'm avoiding Brady and Matthews. And I'm also avoiding um, France and Bonterin. All right. Thanks, guys, for supporting the show. I know it was a weird week not hearing me on the betting show. 
that free thing. It's just going to be here at Line Movement. So make sure, or not here at Line Movement, Jesus Christ. No longer at Line Movement, just here at the Protect Your Neck podcast. So make sure to support the podcast, MixedMartialAnalyst.com. I'll do the Amazon click-throughs later, but you click through the banners there for on it or Amazon at no extra charge. And a small percentage of your sale will be kicked back to the podcast. Not there is a PayPal donation link at MixedMartialAnalyst.com. Those are this podcast. If you would like to support directly, otherwise, just please share like support follow on all platforms it really helps i won't spam your feed at the pyn podcast on all social platforms and to make it easy at dan tom mma for me on twitter where i am most active where you can find me and the links to everything good luck on your picks and plays don't forget to score grappling and always protect your neck